Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Freary and Smith podcast. Week six, it provided further insight into which teams are legitimate title contenders in the Sun Belt this season, while Marshall suffered their first loss of the year in Raleigh. Louisiana and Texas State treated us to the game of the week in the Sun Belt, a game that provided 64 total points and ended in a 34-30 win for the Ragin' Cajuns. Marshall came up just short against NC State. Troy's defense once again dominated a standout quarterback on the way to a resounding win. South Alabama looked like South Alabama that many expected to see in 2023, and Old Dominion came from behind to send Southern Miss further down the Sun Belt standings. Today on episode 126 of the show, it's time for our week six recap. We'll break down the biggest moments from the weekend and look at some of the top storylines after the first weekend of continued conference play. Caden, this was a week short on quantity, but it was high on quality. What were your favorite moments from week six? Oh man, plenty to choose from, Noah. You mentioned the quality versus quantity, and I think the quality of the conference just yet again was able to kind of deflect its muscles here. You see the performances from Troy and the performance that we saw as well from South Alabama, kind of them reaching that ceiling as far as what we thought they were capable of into the offseason and heading into this year. And then as well, even in the game that Marshall played in in Texas State and Louisiana, some of those teams didn't get the bounce they wanted at the end of the day, but we saw a lot of those teams get to flex some of those muscles on offense and defense and further prove why This is just a big, deep conference with many teams that can score points and play big-time ball on big stages. Well, like we do every Monday, we'll start this episode with the Sunbelt Scoreboard where we'll review all the results from around the conference in Week 6. Then Caden and I, we're going to take an in-depth look at at some of the Sunbelt's top games from the weekend. Short slate this week, just five games, so we'll run through this quickly. Marshall traveled to NC State. NC State a seven-point favorite in this one, and they would go on to win 48-41. This one was a back-and-forth battle in Raleigh, North Carolina. Marshall led 24-21 at the half. NC State scored 13 unanswered points to begin the fourth quarter. Cam Fancher finishes with 340 yards and four total touchdowns. The defense had three interceptions, but in the end, it was MJ Morris and the Wolfpack that were just a bit too much. Marshall loses their first game of the year. They're 4-1. Louisiana, Texas State, and Lafayette, Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns coming in a one-point favorite. They walk away with a four-point win. Texas State led for almost 55 minutes of this game. Zeon Chris runs it in from eight yards with 221 left to propel Louisiana past the Bobcats. Finley had a huge day for Texas State, 326 yards, two touchdowns. Mahdi continues his assault on Sunbelt defenses. He has 188 yards on the day, but in the end, Zeon Chris, who got the better of TJ Finley, he finishes with four total touchdowns, and the Ragin' Cajuns improve to 4-2. and two. Texas State drops to 4-2 and two on the season. Troy, Arkansas State, and Troy, Alabama, the Trojans, 17-point favorites. They run away with a 34-point win. Troy scoring 37 unanswered points to open the game and never looked back. Their defensive line, Caden, it came up with a season-high five sacks, leaving Jalen Rayner and company without answers. Kamani Vidal does what he does. He runs for 245 yards, the second largest output in Troy history, and finishes with three touchdowns. The Trojans, four and two, two and one in Sunbelt West Division play. Three and three are the Red Wolves after six weeks. ULM South Alabama in Monroe. South Alabama, 12 point favorite. South Alabama showed up in this one. They win 55 to seven. The Jags score their most points since 2015. They finished with 589 yards of offense and seven total offensive touchdowns. 
Bradley throws for North at 300 yards, and three different running backs found the end zone. South Alabama secures a much-needed bounce-back win. They're 2-3 and three now on the season, or 3-3, three and three rather. ULM falls to 2-3. and three. Southern Miss, Old Dominion, Caden, we didn't know what to expect with this one, and I'm still not sure I, I know what I saw. This one played in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Old Dominion walked away with a 17-13 win. Defensive battle, and much like Louisiana, Old Dominion led for just 11 minutes of this game. They cycled through two quarterbacks once again. Keyshawn Wicks had the go-ahead touchdown, and Jason Henderson would become the program's all-time leading tackler. Had a huge play at the end of this game to hang on for the win. Southern Miss continues to look stagnant on offense, and they couldn't hang on in that second half. Southern Miss now 1-5 on the season. Old Dominion improving to 3-3. Three and A three. couple of quick notes about the weekend with Marshall losing to NC State. James Madison at 5-0 and is the lone unbeaten team remaining in the Sun Belt. And for the second straight weekend, Sunbelt home teams going 500, South Alabama and Old Dominion each earning road wins. Again, Caden, high on, or not, you know, high on quantity, but certainly the quality was on display. And as we look at our first matchup, Caden, looking at Louisiana, Texas State, it was the Raging Cajuns who win this one 34-30. The Bobcats, as I mentioned, leading for 55 minutes of this game. They held a 20-14 lead at the half. Louisiana and Zion Chris scored 20 second-half points, and the Ragin' Cajuns remain perfect in this series. They moved to 11-0 all-time. Caden, let's talk about the implications. Uh, we spent a lot of time on Friday talking about that. ULL just evened out the West Division playing field. Four teams sitting at 1-1. One one. Troy's at 2-1. and one. Louisiana won this game. These two teams, who has the best chance to represent the West on December 2nd in your mind, Caden? Really tough to say after this one, no. I feel like this game kind of had that same feel that the Troy and James Madison game had when you're just watching two teams that are playing at such a high level in the conference. You could just see both of them being legit contenders and teams that could be on that stage when it comes in December. I think Louisiana went out there and took this game. I mean, there's a reason why they were in the contender category for our power rank. It's because of that championship level of pedigree. And I think that really showed off in the second half in this game in a way that probably has their fan base super excited right now. You just have to shout them out for really securing probably one of the most hard-fought wins I think we've seen in the conference this season. But as far as chances go, I hate to do it just despite them winning this game, but I'm still going to give the nod to Texas State slightly just because it has more to do with their schedules, I think, moving forward. We mentioned it in the preview. Texas State now has three straight home games. They have Troy at home. They have South Alabama as their very last game of the season. So those are probably going to be two of their bigger matchups where they'll both be at home and kind of be in their full form at the end of the year versus the Louisiana team who has to still go to Troy and go to South Alabama. And they have a tough matchup with Georgia State next week. So I just think that path for Texas State's a little bit easier and their style maybe presents more problems to other teams as well, just given their offense. But if you all can continue replicating kind of what we saw in the second half behind their quarterback that's playing fantastic with that run game and that defense and make the plays that they've been making in the past years we've seen when they're at that championship level, I would not be surprised if we saw a similar run like 2019, 2020 Louisiana that seems like they have some of that energy in the stadium. You kind of felt it. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I just think as far as a path goes, Texas State might have an easier path to get to that stage. Okay, and you just endeared yourself to Raging Cajun fans. But, you know, when you look at this Louisiana team, one thing that's been under-talked about has been their defense. It's been sneaky good. And again, in this performance, they showed up. Uh, they announced themselves loudly in the second half of this game. You give up just 223 yards of total offense to Texas State. The more interesting stat was 111 yards in the air in the second half. They forced multiple turnovers. Caden, it's never going to be easy against Texas State, but Louisiana did about as good as they could in this game. 
Yeah, and I also not only want to shout out their defense, but just their coaching staff for making just crucial adjustments in the half. You saw Texas State score points in all of their offensive drives to start the first half, except for that last one. And they went in the locker room, Louisiana did. They made the adjustments. They made some huge plays in the second half that really set up their offense to take this game late. You saw it when um, Louisiana's offense scored a touchdown, immediately answered Texas State's touchdown in the second half. And then they go out there and just take over the game pretty much as a defense. They have a three and out that ends in a blocked punt, which was huge, getting the ball back to their offense so they could score easily. And then on the next drive, you kind of get nervous when you have this Texas State style of offense that's down by a couple points and needs to score a touchdown with two minutes left. And Casey Osai comes up big and forces a fumble again, getting another turnover in their own territory, really allowing their offense to get back on the field and win this game. So we've talked about heading into this game, how getting it back there and getting pressure on TJ Finley would be big. He never got sacked in this game. And for me, that makes it way more impressive that Louisiana was able to still pull this off. Their secondary showed up huge in this game. You mentioned how they were able to limit the pass and keep this team out of the end zone, especially in the second half. So I think going forward with this defense, it's cool to see that they have multiple ways to win now. We thought up front, Getting the pressure was going to be their formula, but it turns out they have some really good players in the secondary. If you can keep up with those group of receivers and that explosive passing attack, then you can stand toe-to-toe with anyone in the conference. So huge shot to their defense, and they showed shades of that kind of championship style that we saw from Troy last year, where if you need them in the biggest moments, they come through. We've spent the last couple of weeks on this podcast, Caden, talking about Zion Chris, and he goes out and does it again. 205 yards, uh, four touchdowns in this game. Caden, He's been a rising star in this league. Should we move him into that legitimate star category at this point? Yeah, when your young quarterback can go punch to punch with an offense that's this elite and this effective and do it at an efficiency, that's just insane. He had four incompletions in this game and he was just as effective in the running game as he's been all year. You've arrived. like You've checked all of the boxes. You couldn't ask for him to do much more in this game. And he really, you can just tell this team believes that when he's at quarterback, they're going to win. He didn't turn the ball over. He had numerous double-digit play touchdown drives just kind of marching this team down the field methodically as well leaning and contributing in the run game and just a really surgical performance from a young quarterback that I think just has to give you promise going forward this guy isn't just a guy that's going to be able to win some games for us this is a guy that could be a star for this team and really be the future of this team and seeing it early is a great sign outside of the stats and the abilities he seems to also have all the intangible qualities that you want from your quarterback as far as command and poise. And he's now proven he can come from behind and win you games, which not every quarterback in the conference can say they've done or have done in the past. So I think if he continues to grow throughout this season, that's the scary thing, I think, for teams. He's a young player, and if he continues to get even more of a grasp and gets more comfortable than he already looks, this is going to be a very, very dangerous team very fast in the West. Things suddenly looking up for Louisiana in their second year under Michael Desermo. Caden, Texas State, they lose this game. They fall to 1-1 one and one in Sunbelt Conference play this year. They still put up huge offensive numbers and led for most of this game. Does this loss, in your mind, dim their outlook at all this season? Maybe a little bit, but it's kind of like the same thing we've been talking about nationally with Colorado. You have to kind of take a step back and look at what the expectations were of this team heading into the year, and they've already exceeded them. And I think they still have so much promise. And I know this is one of those losses you hate. I know this team's feeling a little sick right now. It's one of those games where it just doesn't sit well with you after they maintain a lead for the entire game, like you mentioned, and then really just gave it up in the last six minutes to a team that showed off a championship pedigree and edge and experience in those big moments that this program just isn't necessarily used to playing. They haven't had to play in these big time conference games and moments. And that showed a little bit. And we talked in the past about some of their issues, keeping their foot on the gas in the second half, especially with a lead. And I think that showed up a little bit in this one as well. So I think now if you're coach Kenny and the staff, you can really harp on that and moving forward. And I will talk about it with all these teams. You only have one problem you have to worry about. You still shouldn't be worried, especially given what we thought this team was going to be into the year. They still have a well-oiled machine. Ismail ran the ball great 
in this game. They have a solid defense. So I think they still have a lot to be optimistic for. They still obviously have a lot of work to do because this side is getting very even as far as this race goes, and they're going to have to show up big in those moments. But it's just about finding a way internally as a program to kind of reach that threshold. It's like, okay, we're not Texas State from before. We're a team now that's going to have to not only be a flashy offense that could be effective in the beginning of the games and dangerous, but really close out big-time conference games. Yeah, Kane, it's easier said than done, too, to go from perennial losers to conference contenders. That's what Texas State is trying to do in the first year under G.J. Kinney. Louisiana, they're going to head into their bye week as they get set to host Georgia State in week eight in a matchup of two early Sunbelt title contenders, if I can say that. Texas State, they'll be sitting at four and two. They're going to host ULM, who's two and three, coming off of that 55 to seven loss in South Alabama or to South Alabama in week six. Texas State going to look to move within a win of bowl eligibility if they can down the Warhawks at home. Let's move on to the second matchup we're going to talk about. It's NC State versus Marshall. NC State winning 48-41 over the Thundering Herd. The Thundering Herd, Caden, the offense is the big talking point for me right now. Back-to-back 41-point efforts from the offense. This Thundering Herd side, they led 24-21 at the half. NC State led 35-34 after three quarters, but it was 13 unanswered points by the Wolfpack to begin the fourth quarter that ultimately sunk Marshall. Marshall saw their undefeated season in a nine-game winning streak come to an end. Caden, on Friday's preview, we spent time talking about NC State's third down defense. They led the ACC, top 14 in the NCAA this year. Marshall finishes just five for 18. We said they needed to establish the run on early downs. That never materialized. They had a season low 140 or 104 yards on the ground. Caden, that was probably the difference in the game. And in your mind, what was NC State doing well defensively? Run stopping and pass rushing. No, I think we talked about how important, how good this front seven was, and they really got to flex their muscles as an NC State team in this game. I mean, early in the game, Machine was able to break off a few explosive runs. His biggest rush of the day, though, was on his very first carry where he kind of cut back created his own run for 11 yards. And that was pretty much it. He was shut down for the rest of the game. And that's just a testament to how good that front seven was. And we talked about it, how good they were, how talented they were. They really brought it in this game. And I think they doubled down as well in the pass rushing game. I think when you're facing a team and you're able to stop the run, that's one thing to make a team one-dimensional. But when you can also make a quarterback uncomfortable, which they were able to do with Fancher quite a bit in this game, it just kind of handcuffed Marshall and made them play a style of ball that they're not used to playing. So I think excuse me, ultimately, I think that there's not a lot of teams in the Sun Belt that have the personnel to do this against Marshall. So if you're a Marshall fan, it's okay. Everything's probably going to be fine. But I think ultimately Marshall was forced to play a style of game that they haven't had to play this year. And they played it against a personnel that probably they're not going to see for the rest of the year, just given the prowess of what NC State is able to do defensively in the box specifically. Yeah, definitely will be one of the tougher defenses that they will face this year. They do still have that big matchup looming against James Madison. Cam Fancher, Caden, he suffered just his second loss ever as a starting quarterback. There was a lot of people, you know, fans of this program that wanted him out earlier in the season, even in the offseason. But these last two weeks, he's been excellent. 720 yards of total offense over his last two games. He's been responsible for six touchdowns. He's throwing it more, too. You look at the 51 times he threw it in this game. It was 15 more than his previous career high. Caden, much like Zion Chris, are we witnessing a young quarterback coming into his own? We definitely are, but I have to start by saying this guy has to address the turnovers and interception and two fumbles in this game. The ball security behind the line of scrimmage with him is just like scary to watch. It makes you hold your breath sometimes just the way 
he works back there and has the ball loose and he's kind of paid the price for that. And I think if this team's going to continue being in close games this year, those turnovers will continue to be magnified. So he has to clean that up. But outside of his turnovers, 100%, he's coming into his own. The style of this game and NC State pretty much saying and daring this team to beat them through the air and not through the ground really presented a big challenge to Cam. And I think he really stepped up and played big and showed some great stuff. You mentioned he had a career-high 51 pass attempts in this game. He had a handful of jaw-dropping plays. I think he heard what I said about TJ Finley being one of the most talented quarterbacks, if not the most talented in the conference by making just some dazzling plays. The touchdown run we reached the pylon was extremely athletic. And his last touchdown pass, just off platform, just a beautiful dime. We're seeing him get more and more comfortable week after week. He had no choice but to be comfortable in this game. And I think he answered the bell as well as you could in this moment. We saw the best showing, I think, from the Marshall wide receiving core as well, as far as running after the catch, getting into those windows and really executing as far as moving the chains through the air that we haven't seen all season. So very promising to see that. And I think going forward, if teams do want to aggressively try to load the box and stop the run against this team, they have this film now of Cam really dicing up a defense and it's probably going to make them a little bit more hesitant. So I see his confidence growing. You like to see it. You want to limit the turnovers. That's the best thing, especially with close games. But overall, you can definitely see his growth and confidence going week after week. We started this matchup talking about NC State's defense. Let's end it talking Marshall, why don't we? They've taken a step back the last two weeks. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. You're giving up 41.5 points per game to ODU and NC State. Admittedly, not great offenses, although NC State did have a quarterback change. They're getting to the quarterback last just four combined sacks in the last two weeks, but Caden, they are continuing to force interceptions six in the last two games. They've been able to lean on this group over the last two years. What are your thoughts on this defense moving forward? Yeah, it's definitely been a tough two-week run for this defense. I think their main issue right now is just the big play, whether it's through the run or through the air. I think that their last two performances have just been highlighted by giving up, just whether it's a, a deep pass that's an errant, like just double move or whatever it is on the back end, whether it's one bad tackle that leads to a giant score or just getting gashed up the middle on big runs. The secondary, I think, still looks amazing. You mentioned those three interceptions. One was a tipped ball, one was an overthrow, and they took advantage of those. But then they just straight up took the ball on one play. It's just a very opportunistic group still on the back end that everyone's going to fear despite what they have going on up front. So I think, like we've talked about, this is a veteran and talented group who kind of knows what their problem is right now. They, they, they can look at film and say, hey, we just need to stop these big plays. We need to get these big plays on the ground and limit them. And I think teams, like we talked about before, Similar with Texas State, if you have one issue to worry about on one side of the ball and you can address it, especially if you have the pedigree of Marshall, I think they'll be able to do it. So the panic isn't really too high for me as far as this unit goes, but there's definitely some areas of concern that have kind of now stacked up over the last two weeks that I think offenses are going to look to exploit moving forward. Yeah, definitely interesting for Marshall here. Marshall, they will begin preparations to face Georgia State, who's coming off their bye week next week in Atlanta. It'll be a clash of 4-1 and Sunbelt East foes. Kate, I've heard rumors you might even be pulling up to that one. Let's move on to the third matchup, Old Dominion Southern Miss. The Monarchs winning this one 17 to 13. They led this game for just 11 minutes and 19 seconds. Keyshawn Wicks had the big go-ahead 16-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter to give them the lead for good. Jason Henderson, who became ODU's all-time leading tackler in this game, kept Frank Gore Jr. out of the end zone on fourth and goal late in this game to secure the win. We'll start by talking about Old Dominion's offense. This was probably, Caden, the most balanced we've seen them all year long. 194 yards through the air. You take out the sacks on the running game, and they ran for 178 yards. Grant Wilson came in in the second quarter, played the majority of this game. Callaway continues to put together a nice season. 
It's only 17 points, but Caden, this ODU offense once again did what they needed to do to win a football game. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, I think, said it recently. Number one and most important thing is winning. And then 1A or 1B under that is how you win and playing your best brand of ball. This team has been up and down like we've talked about all year, but it was really good to see them stay balanced and just be consistent in their scheme throughout this defensive dogfight because that's what it was. Both defenses were playing great in this game. They didn't give up any yards. They weren't making anything easy. And they didn't convert as well as they wanted to on third down. They didn't move the chains as much as they wanted to, but they trusted their defense. They didn't turn the ball over. And the rushing attack with Callaway and Wicks was consistent with them all day. And eventually, when you do that, you make the plays you need to to win in those moments. They had a handful of hitting, big hitting offensive plays in the past game that were capitalized on. I mean, over half their passing yards from the day came from a huge play to a Marion Granger and another big one from Kelby Williams. So when your defense is playing that well, you can afford to be methodical, very Marshall-esque how we saw in the past especially like the early days of when we saw Fancher in that offense. They didn't ask Grant Wilson to do too much in this game after they took Shields out after the slow start. He just managed this game into a win. And I think if your defense can play well enough to where your offense can be in that methodical zone where you can just manage the game, do your best to know when your shots come, you can take them and exploit them in the run game. I think it puts Old Dominion in a really good spot as far as having to be a team that has to win in a shootout, which we've kind of seen them do before. But this is kind of, I think, more of their bread and butter style as far as what they can lean into with that run game and what they can be moving forward this season as an offense. Let's talk about the postseason outlets of both of these teams, Caden, because it gets really interesting. For really all intents and purposes, Southern Miss's bull hopes are probably over, but they're probably hanging by a thread. They'd have to win five of their next six games in order to be bowl eligible. ODU, though, they're sitting at 3-3, three and three, and honestly, they have a real shot to get to a bowl game. Kane, do you think the Monarchs are going to do it? I think they can do it. They've been surprising us all year, and I think they can continue to do it this season and surprise some teams. For Old, Old Dominion, their goal this year obviously isn't a championship right now. It's their goal, but just from outside looking in, it's going to be hard for them to achieve that. But I think for them just being able to keep improving and being consistent is going to be their key. I know the East is rough, but if your defense plays like it did last this week and your offense plays like it did the week before when they played Marshall, it can be anyone in the conference. So I like their scheme against their players out wide and especially in the run game into some very favorable matchups unlike Southern Miss has been this season, which they've been having a lot of offensive struggles. But this team has some good peaks on both sides of the ball, and I think if they can achieve that more and more through the season. We continue to see them possibly surprise some teams. But I think on the opposite end for Southern Miss, I mean, their offense just needs to have a reckoning right now. I think it might be time to look ahead into the transfer portal, maybe for a new offensive coordinator at this point, just from how stagnant it looks right now. I mean, this is their worst showing of the season by far, in my opinion. Their only touchdown comes from a time Mims Pun return and their defense bounces back after two bad weeks, but the offense just did not hold up their end of the bargain. Third game, not reaching 20 points for them. Their schedule's not getting any easier. I don't know why you wouldn't try. Maybe a different quarterback try, just a different philosophical change at a quarterback or with the scheme or something, but they just need something fresh. They need a spark, and it's going to be hard for them to find it, I think, when you just look at their roster and their history of just not having that offensive efficiency that you'd like to see. So I think their coaching staff right now, they're all, their, all of them are putting their heads together and trying to figure out how to turn this thing around, but I think given the rest of their schedule, it's just a lot easier to said than done, especially offensively for them. The noise certainly starting to get loud down in Hattiesburg. Fans perhaps wanting a change uh, with this program mired in a, in a disappointing season. ODU sitting at 3-3. Three and three. They get uh, the week off as they prepare to host App State on October 21st at SB Ballard Stadium. Southern Miss, who's 1-5, heads into their off week as they prepare to face South Alabama in Mobile next Tuesday night on national television. Fourth matchup, Troy versus Arkansas State. The Trojans victors in this one, 37-3. This one never close. Troy scores 37 unanswered points to begin the game before surrendering a late field goal to miss out on the shutout. 
Kamani Vidal finishes with 245 yards, his fourth career 200-plus yard rushing game. The offense outgains Arkansas State by 384 yards. The defense finishes with season highs in TFLs and sacks. Kamani Vidal, Caden, the story in this one. He's been the league's best running back this season. Second 200 or more yard game of the season. You probably remember back to the 248-yard game in the opener versus Stephen F. Austin. He went over the 3,000-yard mark in his career. He's now only 257 yards behind DeWitt Betterson for the program record. He could be a 1,000-yard rusher as early as next week, Caden, and right now he's on pace for nearly 1,700 yards. What makes Vidal so special? Oh, man, where do you start with this guy? I mean, he's just really turned into a complete back over the years, and it's all culminating into this amazing season he's having right now. I think you look at his combination and sizes and speed, it really allows him to impose his will on defenses, especially under man ones in that front seven spot. Saw that in the first game, and we saw that in this game as well. Kamani's a 5'8", 215-pound back, and in my playing days, that was like the worst build of running back to tackle. Like That's like if you had to build a running back that Caden Smith didn't want to tackle, it was that kind of guy. And I think for him... It makes him super effective and almost unstoppable around the goal line as a power back. So this team gets within the 10 and they know what time it is. They can give this guy the ball and probably score more often than not, especially when that offensive line is playing as intense they are. But then what's really been standing out and jumping off the page for me is the speed we're seeing now. It's kind of alarming. He's the definition of a downhill back now. And it just looks like every time he gets the ball in the backfield, he's almost coming down a skate ramp. It's almost like he has a full head of steam when he gets it. And I think that you really saw that in this game when he ripped off that 69-yard touchdown run from the wildcat like if you're playing in the wildcat it's different when you're getting the ball handed to you you're downhill you're running fast if you can pop a run like that from the wildcat formation just being at that size being able to catch the ball as a quarterback and immediately put your foot in the ground and get downhill and make plays like that that just makes you unique as far as what you're physically capable of doing so I think as far as what he's been doing he's been building towards this in his career but this year we're just seeing it all come together in a crazy way that's probably scaring just about every defense that's going to face him moving forward yeah, no doubt uh, Vidal having a special season right now for the Trojans. Caden, that Trojans defensive line, uh, they have not gotten to the quarterback enough this year. Jackson Jubinor and Solomon, who does have five and a half sacks this year after this weekend's performance. But we spent the offseason talking about the strength that was this defensive line. They finished this game with five sacks. They doubled their season total in this game. They made things really tough for Jalen Rayner and company. How important is this group to Troy's championship hopes this year? It's, the, it's important, but it's not the only thing. I think we saw pretty much the entire beginning of the season. This defense was fairly successful despite not having that kind of, kind of having that inability to generate the sacks as we've seen in the past. And I think moving forward, just giving their talented secondary linebacking core up to the defensive line. They're going to be fine. I don't think it's going to be necessarily the key to their success, but I think it's something they'll be able to lean on. You'd love to see Solomon get going and get two sacks in this game and this team get five, especially against a quarterback who you could argue is probably the toughest to tackle in the backfield in the league right now in Jalen Rayner, which is very promising to me. But from watching this team kind of get pressure early in the season and still be able to do that, it was never non-existent. Early in the season, we weren't saying, oh, quarterbacks are sitting in the pocket against Troy and really having their way. They're still able to do that. They're still a great team at the line of scrimmage, especially in the run game as well. I think it's almost a thing where the fact that they're playing so well and they're not generating the sacks like they did last year is almost scary because if they get that part of their defense going, we can see them get even maybe greater than the championship level we saw last season. So I think it's an important thing for them, but it's not the only thing. I think that defensive line production and the run stopping ability going forward this season is going to be a lot more important than what they can do in the past game, in the past rushing game, just because their secondary is looking fantastic this year. 
Well, after some early season scares for the Trojans, their title hopes back uh, on track at this point. Troy goes out of conference and on the road next week. They'll face Army, who's 2-3, and three, who's coming off back-to-back ACC losses, including a loss to arguably the worst team in the conference uh, to Boston College 27-24 this past weekend. Troy's going to look to win their third game in a row. Arkansas State, they're headed into their bye week as preparations for their matchup against Coastal Carolina on October 21st begin. South Alabama ULM, Kate, and this one, a bloodbath. South Alabama wins it 55-7 to over the Warhawks. This was the most points scored for South Alabama since November 7th of 2015 when they scored 52 against previous Sunbelt Conference member Idaho. Carter Bradley led the charge, finishing with 303 yards and three touchdowns. The Jags finished with 589 yards of total offense and seven offensive touchdowns. Caden, we saw the return of South Alabama's offense in this game. The Jags had every facet going. Their second 500-plus yard game of the season. Bradley throws for three touchdowns. Webb, Lee, and Bullock each had rushing touchdowns and combined for 202 yards on the ground. 14 big plays in this game. And, oh, and Colin Lacey had his fifth straight 100-plus yard receiving game. Caden, this was the Jags offense that many expected to see this year. It's definitely what I expected to see going into the year. It was great to finally see them kind of put it all together in a game where I've, we talked about heading into the into the matchup is kind of a must-win game for this team, just given what ULM had just done to App State and given what South Alabama needs to do to kind of generate some momentum heading into conference play. But I think for them, this is just them reaching their full capability. I couldn't imagine them scoring 55 points in this game, but the fact that they were able to do it with Carter being confident back there, not throwing any interceptions, being able to lean on that rushing attack we've talked about in the past is such a key for them being able to open up everything offensively. We know when this team gets stopped in the run, that's when they have a lot of their offensive struggles. But when they have guys all scoring touchdowns in that backfield, when you have LaDamian Webb reaching 100 yards, that's always great to see. This team was fantastic as well on third down and completed all, converted all of their fourth downs in this game too. So you just love to see them kind of reaching their potential. And I think the fact that they were able to get up in this game as well allowed some of those receivers to get some more reps that we saw that they kind of needed early on. I think 13 different pass catchers in this game might be the most we've seen from this team outside of kind of some earlier games against non-conference competition. But I think it's good to see that because it was an issue as far as drops, timing, and getting some chains moving in the passing game when that run game wasn't there for them. But when it all comes together together like this, you're seeing this team fully capable of what they what they have in the cupboard, using all their ingredients in their offensive attack. And when they're cooking, they're one of the most dangerous offenses by far, I think, in the conference. Yeah, certainly has to be scary, you know, for Sunbelt teams that maybe thought South Alabama was down for good this year. Caden, given the wide open nature of the West right now, you've got four teams at one and one, Troy sitting at two and one. Where do you see South Alabama kind of fitting into this picture? Do they still have a shot at playing for that title come December? Yeah, of course they do. Every team in the West now has a loss thanks to UL, and this team is very capable of making it to the conference championship game despite some of the lumps they took early in the season. If they are able to play at their peak on both sides of the ball like we've seen in this game, like we saw against Oklahoma State, they're going to be able to beat anybody in this conference. It's just a matter of can they attain that peak, can they reach that peak, and can they bring that into conference play. If they channel that and take this momentum they just generated into the rest of conference play, I could very well see this team winning out for the rest of the season and being in the conference championship game, but at the same time, This could either mark a turning point where they get rolling, put it all together and make their run to the title, or they can revert back to some of their earlier season struggles where we saw the offense and defense not clicking at times, especially at the same time. And that's kind of the reason why they're three and three right now. So I think, yes, they can do it. Will they do it is the question, given what we've seen from them 
not only this season early on, but kind of last season as well, when they were able to get out of some jams and kind of show that they do have that championship kind of pedigree within them. It's just about channeling it and really putting it all together in a wide open West. That's a lot easier said than done, as we've talked about. Yeah, ultimately, probably the biggest bright spot for South Alabama is probably the teams that we consider the biggest title contenders, the Troys, the Louisianas, the Texas States. They've still got to play all of them. So everything in front of South Alabama right now, the Jags sitting at 3-3. Three and three, They have an off week this week as they prepare for their Tuesday night showdown versus Southern Miss, who's 1-5 right now. ULM 2-3, and three, they're going to travel to Texas State, who's 4-2 and two right now, coming off that 34-30 to 30 loss that we talked about earlier in this episode to Louisiana. ULM going to look to get back to 500 in that game. Caden, only five games on the schedule this week. We did get some exciting uh, you know, aspects of the week. I felt like some teams kind of solidified their standing a little bit more. Just give us a closing thought on week six. Yeah, man, I think it's really great to see a lot of teams, I think, have reached their peaks on certain sides of the ball in certain areas of their game. That I think we talk about teams finding their formula to win. I think a lot of teams are really starting to figure that out. And I'm just really excited to see how they kind of match up stylistically. You see teams like Louisiana, who we knew kind of coming into the year and seeing them throughout the beginning of the season, lean into that run game and then maybe play a Texas State kind of team that kind of dictates the pace a little bit differently. So I'm just very curious now moving forward, now that we're seeing how some of these teams stack up against each other, just to continue to see how they stack up against each other and maybe which styles, schemes, and players can be most effective against their respective opponents on their side of the conference. So I think, like we mentioned before, this conference is absolutely loaded. Anyone, it seems like, can win. A lot of teams or a lot of contenders are in this conference are capable of doing it. And just very, very excited to see who is going to do it, who's going to step up, which sides of the ball, which teams, which players are going to be able to ultimately, when we get to November, say, okay, based on when the conference play started to where we are now, these, this team, this player, this coach led their team, took them off. And when we get to that conference championship time, I think it's going to be very close and very exciting as far as who's going to be there. They're going to have to earn it for sure. Hey, teams, as you like to say, Kane, and they are remembered for their Novembers. Well, that will do it for our week six recap on the Frary and Smith podcast. We're at the halfway point of the Sunbelt season and the league's title races are just beginning to percolate. Before you go, we want to share some exciting news. Tomorrow, we'll be launching a special series, Midweek Mania, where Caden and I will break down every Sunbelt midweek game this season, including this week's matchup between App State and Coastal Carolina. Make sure you join us for this bonus episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do one thing for us. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.